Hello, and welcome to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast. My name is Michael Williamson, and I'm here today with Tim Miller, Journal Tribune sports editor, Alexi Pavlov, Richwood Gazette sports editor, Bob Putman, sports writer, and Chad Williamson, managing editor for the Journal Tribune. All right, so we're going to continue this conversation about the playoffs. Uh, we're basically down to one team here with Marysville, kind of the last ones to go. So uh, where do you guys want to begin? Yeah, we're one team, one and done, and just follow. But it's a good one to be following, I'll tell you that much. Uh, Marysville 49-14 to against Jesus. Toledo Whitmer, and it wasn't even that close, quite honestly. And they scored their last touchdown against the JV team. Yeah. I heard a lot of people complaining about Whitmer kept their varsity starters in so they could get a touchdown against Marysville's JV. But, uh, hey, it was, it was consolation at best. And yeah. They were still – gathered on the field as you and I were uh, leaving. We thought they had had a Civil War triage <laughs> camp. I mean, he interviews the coach. I'm gathering all my camera stuff. But they were still on the field meeting. I don't know what they were doing. They were spread out in lines, and they didn't want to leave the field. I don't. I think we they thought them. they had a shot. I, I think – well, they definitely didn't expect what they got. But I think – well, they had you know, a shot up until seven o'clock Friday night. It did not. It did not take very long. I mean, no. I'll say this. You know, they came out and they onside kick. They they dropped an onside kick to start the game, which is, hey, when you're desperate, if you're if you're a little overmatched, try something a little different. They dropped that onside kick and got it. They were excited. Boy, I'm telling you, their quarterback was listed in the program as two six two two sixty five. What? And I think that was way conservative. I would have put him every bit of 280, 285. He, he was a low. And he would rumble. And, if, you know, if he if he got his legs moving and he, he picked up maybe six or so yards and they they moved the chains, they got a first down. He uh, Then they had – Marysville had him in, a, was it fourth and like 14? Fourth, fourth and 14. And yeah. he scrambled and picked it up. And, boy, I'm telling you, they thought – they had it, and they drove. How far did they drive down, Tim, in that first they drive? They got down to, like, the 12, if memory serves yeah. me correctly, then they lost it. And Marysville, Marysville stuffed them. Yeah. But they were still feeling pretty good about themselves, you know. They kind of had – I think they felt like they had Marysville reeling, and they did not. As right. Marysville has done all year – when someone gives them any kind of poke in the eye, they can, it's almost like a little kid wrestling with a dad or a, or a child, you know, and they think they're tough for a while. And then if they actually try to, like, throw a real punch at their dad, and the dad says, well, let me show you who's the dad, and smacks him upside the head with full strength. <laughs> and I wrote in the story, don't poke the lion. Yeah, that's, it. that's exactly what <laughs> and happened. that's... They tried to poke the line, especially after they scored the first points at Marysville. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get to we'll get to that. Yeah. But they scored so so Marysville runs down there and what was, that first score was along. Uh, Gabe scored on like a sixty-seven yard run. Was this after they stopped him the next yeah. series? Yeah, oh yeah. They did. They only punt him once in the game. Okay, let me. Ask, I want to ask this question. You know, the onside kick got them all fired up. Whitmer. Mm-hmm. They were able to move the ball. Mm-hmm. They get stopped, mm-hmm. and then Marysville takes a big run. Mm-hmm. What could you feel? Whitmer? Yeah. Whitmer coming back? Yeah. Done. <laughs> Done. You're exactly right. That's And that's the difference. Marysville takes a little little shot, gets pushed down to the back against the wall, and responds. They shoved Whitmer down the field, and Whitmer responded by turtling. You know, they. it was clear that took a lot of wind out of them. And from there, Marysville, you know, Gabe, Gabe scored that one. Um, it was it was in seven to nothing going in the second. Yeah. 
And what did it get up to? Twenty-one to nothing, and it was just—it was just an offensive march. It was just yeah. Marysville stuffed them, and they now that kid, their quarterback, did throw a couple of balls kind of up for grabs that they would catch, but it was not. He had a strong arm, but he wasn't accurate. He did the 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 one pass that I liked that he did. The only pass that impressed me is they were buried deep on like their seven yard line, and he threw it out, and they got to midfield. On that series, but, but he, but he kind of threw hand grenades. He didn't have zip on the ball. He, no. he. I mean, he could throw a long way, but it had to be like that. Like kind of he like had, a rainbow throw. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and he had any counter on his receivers to go well, get. Well, it. The, the reason I asked that was the week before, sort of the same thing happened. You know, Marysville got you know stopped or whatever, and their you know they the, their opponent got you know all fired up. Hey, we're going to do this, mm-hmm. and then Marysville said, "No, that's you're they, not." That's what they do, and you know, so not to go back and. But what I was asking about North Union all year, hey, when somebody pushes back to them, how do they respond to that? You know, it's one thing to just steamroll a lesser opponent, but when somebody, you know, fights back, how do they respond? And Marysville's been better than everybody, but when pushed, too, you know, because these are good athletes, it's Division One. I, I mean, they, they push back five times as hard. So Marysville pushes that lead out to, you know, 21 to nothing, mm-hmm. and then go ahead, Tim Whitmer, has their has their shining moment of the game. And Whitmer goes down and yeah, I was wondering because we'd had that streak of no one had scored any points in the first half. And, and what was, Perry's was it Perry's bird threatened, got down Perry's to one and Mary's got an interception. The interception. Uh, Christian McCartney tipped the ball there and Griffin Johnson intercepted it. And I, there was like a minute 27. Under a minute and a half, so you thought, well, maybe they'll stall them out. Maybe yeah. they can get off the field here. And, and Whitmer scored. It was on a uh, three, let's see, uh, three yard run. Three yard run. And you'd have thought Whitmer yeah. was celebrating. It was clear they knew nobody had scored on Marysville's defense in the first they half. They wanted mm-hmm. to throw off Roman Candle. And and like oh, they were they, you know, that was their that was their bright they played bright shining moment and uh, but, it was the end of the NCAA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then but yes. Marysville drove back <laughs> yeah. down. Now time was running out here. Uh, they were dro- They didn't drive. They kicked off and stu- stuffed Marysville, or Marysville got a penalty. Well, they Marys- were at the four. Mar- well, yeah, and then I was thinking the, the possession where no, Rigsby, it was, it was, Rigsby missed the field goal. Later. No, that was that, that, that was, was even later. That they, was even they had later, two chances right. to score with under a yeah. minute. Yeah, so Colton runs that. Colton rips the first play after they give up their first touchdown. yards out. I mean, it was – he is not – I mean, I don't think anybody think of him as a sprinter. But man, he he broke through that uh, thing, and, and then was it was gone. a three and out for Whitmer, and Marysville got the ball in decent position. There were about thirty seconds left, yeah. so they, they had two chances in the last two, minute and a half. They yeah. drive, they drive down, and I believe they called a sweep to Griffin Johnson, and he went out of bounds, but they never stopped the clock. Yeah, there were like twelve seconds left, where if they'd got the clock stopped, maybe they zip one into the end zone. Now the problem is, we're talking about a game that's thirty-five to seven, but yeah. you still want yeah. to score. So they never. So the Marysville coaches looked up and realized they never stopped the clock, and they called timeout with a second left because they thought the clock had stopped too because it should have. Yeah. So so Rigsby hustles out onto the field, and it wasn't his best. It case. was not. It, I I think his foot. It was a it was a pretty miserable night. It was switching back and forth between rain and snow. All I night. think his foot. It looked like I had a, a picture, bit. and it looked like his foot was his plant foot was very yeah. close to the ball. Yeah. I think he slid into it a yeah. little bit. But that's how but, fast. That's how I forgot. It, yeah, Colton. That's was, how it fast Marysville can score. It was an amazing. But it was. But here again, 
Marysville gets poked in the eye mm-hmm. and comes back and gives them a slap. You know, they, they don't just take it. They, you know, they respond to it. And, you know, talking, they scored 28 points in the second quarter. And I told Tim, I want to go look up because it seems like Marysville just does damage in the second quarter. Their second quarter has been there. So, I, quarter so I went back and looked through it. And over 12 games, they're averaging, they're averaging over 14 points in the second quarter alone. Now, they started off the year a little bit slow. If you look from the Thomas Worthington game, which is the halfway point to now, the last six games, they're averaging over 18 points, over 19 points a game, almost 20. And in the playoffs, they've averaged over 18 points a game in the second quarter alone. 20 points, averaging 20 points or 18 points is pretty good, decent offense for some teams for a game. And Marysville's doing that in the second quarter. They haven't been shut out in the second quarter all year. They've well, scored that, in every second quarter they've played. That's one thing I, I asked Brent when I talked to him Sunday night, and it's reflected in the story that I put in today's paper. Over the second half of the regular season and all through the playoffs, they've just been mopping up on people. And I, I asked him, how do you think your team is going to react if you're in a tight game? Because this Springfield game coming up, he calls it a street fight. It may come down to one possession. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, what people don't seem to remember is early in the year, we were involved in games that we didn't have big leads earlier. For instance, they were up on Lancaster just 7 to nothing Dub- at halftime. Dublin Jerome was 7 to nothing, And Jerome was, I think, undefeated or once defeated at the time. So yeah. it beat felt Lan- like it. Yeah, beat Lancaster 24 to nothing after being up 7 to nothing at halftime. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were up 14 and nothing at the halftime against Darby. Mm-hmm. Darby comes back and scores 14 points in the third quarter. Then Marysville wins 21-14 in overtime. It almost feels like what used to be the halftime adjustments. Mm-hmm. They needed halftime to adjust and take off offensively. Now they're doing that in the second quarter. So they're, they're kind of ramping yeah. up their adjustments and, and running. Mar- Marysville has not trailed this season, but if for some reason they were to trail Springfield on Friday night, I don't think it's going to bother Marysville one bit. They'll come back, and they they have just been known to just keep responding and answering everything that anybody throws at them. It it doesn't matter how good your team is. At some point, somebody's going to have a moment, push back a little bit, and, and you can see how they respond. I mean, Colton Powers had 206 yards in nine carries. Two touchdowns. 94 on one carry. Yeah. But still, his, other K- than that, his average was pretty solid. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, that gives him over 100 on eight carries. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gabe had 135 on eight carries. That's why I said Griffin Johnson averaged seven yards a carry, and he was the, he was the third leading ground gainer in terms of yards per carry because, you know, Colton was at 22, almost 23 yards a carry. Gabe was at almost 17 yards a carry, and Griffin was at seven. I mean – they, as a team, they were at over 12 yards per carry against the number four team, you know, in the third round of the play in the regional semifinals. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about this because specifically on the defensive side, right, I think a lot of people get confused, you know, with, you know, what a great defense is. And it sounds like the difference between a good and a great defense is the red zone, right? The red zone opportunity, what you do when you're down there. And it sounds like Again, I've yet to watch this team play, and I need to. Like, now's the chance for me to actually (laughs) watch this team play. Um, Because who knows what might happen. But, you know, it's – I think that's what separates 
good teams from great teams is the ability to stay composed in those situations. They've done both. They have, they have there are teams they have just absolutely smothered and given almost no opportunities. But the few times teams have gotten in the red zone in general, you know, the Hilliard Darby game aside, you know, they've they've responded. You know, what's strange though, as as I looked at it, and I don't know if you guys remember me talking last week that if anything, I don't know if you said anything, is there anything for anyone to be worried about? Yeah, right. And I said that Perrysburg the week before had had success on screen passes. They were having success, you know, catching because Marysville's so aggressive rushing the passer, dropping it over and, and picking up some decent gains. And I said that would be one thing I would focus on. And I know, I know they changed their game plan. They didn't have a sack this week against a 280-pound quarterback. And that's not because he was just standing there shaking him off. They they weren't coming at him. Mm. They were clearly, as I, I saw it from down there, not coming. I think Tim talked to the coach about that. But it looked like they adjusted their pass rush based on that. Based on that, They kept some guys back. They became more conservative and not, not as, uh, what do you call it, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, they didn't gamble as much. They, they kept people back. Now, against Springfield on Friday, Brent said they're going to have to they're going to have to put, try to put some pressure on on uh, Springfield's quarterback who's a senior by the name of Tishon Smoot. That's a name. That's a name. I like that name. He's got numbers to back him up. He's completing uh, around uh, 63% of his passes. He's thrown for over 2,000 yards with 17 touchdown passes, but he's also the team's leading ball carrier. He's that's, got over 800 yards rushing. So I had, he's a wow. dual-threat quarterback. I had friends that went to uh, Bell Fountain and watched that game, and they said that's that's the thing is he's dangerous when he's out of the pocket when he runs. Mm. And he can throw it. But he also is – he is not 280 pounds and, no, no, and he's, less he's, than fleet of foot. He is dangerous he, yes. when he when he breaks containment there. And they said <laughs> – this just tells you how the way people are. They said, we got Gabe Powers there in the middle. Just spy him. And I went, well, Gabe doesn't play in the middle. He's on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> I got other Powers brothers spy him. I said, he's on the outside. The outside. I said, Have you, you know, watch this team. <laughs> but, you know, you don't – just you, a fan. We're not – you know, it – Right, and they also said, and I don't know how much Brent told you, but these people that went to the game were pretty impressed with their interior defensive line. Springfield's defense, like I think a lot of people think Springfield is maybe like Northmont was last year, where they're just all all show and not much defense. You know, they're all offense and bomb. Yeah. But Springfield's defense is legit, and apparently they're big in in their interior defensive interior, and they get a push. They don't slice like Marysville does. They actually push. Yeah. The line backwards. Uh, their top defensive lineman, the guy, another senior by the name of Taiwan January, another good name. Wow, that's a great. Name. This is this, this is, is like this was made up by this oh, movie yeah, script. It's, yeah, it's this a is, NCAA fourteen auto name generator. Smooth January. We've got we've got a cornerback linebacker. His first name is spelled T A W F I Q. Tafik, maybe. Yeah. And you got some. You got some, I'm glad you're writing this one up. Uh, I, you know, you I got just, some JV. I'd be doing a lot of initials. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they got another linebacker. His uh, first name is spelled N I D E Y. Nighty. I don't know. Yeah, good luck <laughs> but, writing it uh, up. But, yeah. Mr. January, he's 5'11, 280 pound senior. And they say he's very, very strong. And they got a nice linebacker by the name of Dillian Bradley. Uh, runs, leads the second level, runs to the ball well. So they've only given up 76 points. 
all year. So this, this sounds like this is going to be the toughest defense that Marysville has faced. But but Brent said he he says he'll that Marysville should present a challenge to Springfield's defense with as many backs as they have. He's, he doesn't know whether Springfield's going to – you can't key on just one back for Marysville. Well, I was, was going to say, Marysville has to continue to do what they do. Yeah. They, you know, mm-hmm. they, they can see the numbers that maybe Springfield has, but has Springfield seen anything like right. Marysville? Well, and I, so, was, I was figuring out, you know, between the, the four guys who have gotten the bulk of the carries, especially over the second half of the season – Two Powers brothers and Griffin Johnson and and, and Matt Krakowskis. Between them, the four of them, they're averaging eight over eight yards a carry. Mm-hmm. So that puts them in a lot of second and short situations, which that's crucial. Stay you often. stay ahead of the sticks and, 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 keep and, it and moving. We, we talked about this before that it it. Tends that the defense is getting some of the, you know, getting a lot of the accolades and everything like that. But boy, when you have a an what offense that gains a yard with with the offensive line and everything, I mean, it just. I mean, those stats are ridiculous. Their their rushing stats from that last game against a fourth, you know, the fourth team, number four team in their region are just ridiculous. Well, through twelve games, Marysville's got him with thirty six hundred yards rushing. Yeah. yeah. And Tim said he was up in the press box and he could hear. Toledo's press box coaches and they said, "Well, yeah, we don't they, just, they we, didn't have an answer. We don't have an answer. <laughs> There's <for> nothing. <laughs> it comes from everywhere. I mean, it's not yeah. passing the ball. They're not. They're still not chucking the ball down the field. Yeah. But their their running attack is diverse. It's inside. It's outside. It's counters. You know. And and like really, all you need is a minimum of four yards per carry because mm-hmm. three of those that's a first down. So, oh, and, you know, get 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 out there on first down. You know, you don't." You want to get out there four, five, six yards on first mm-hmm. down, then you can do what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're yeah. getting almost eight yards between those four guys. So, uh, but it's this is a game that can't be taken lightly. By well, you know, and there's anybody. some, and there's a smidge of history there. I yeah. mean, two years ago when Marysville qualified, when it was not the COVID year, when you actually had to qualify, and they. Went down to Springfield. They were at that point, I think, kind of happy to have gotten in. Yeah, it was a one-eight matchup, and they Springfield handled Marysville pretty handily. It was it was a pretty physical. And, uh, yeah, and I asked Brent about that. You know, the, this year's seniors were sophomores that year. I mean, is there any sense of revenge in anybody's mind? He said, "Well," and he said, "You know, comparing." 2021 to 2019, it's comparing apples to oranges because both teams are different. You lose seniors and everything. He says, yeah, it's in the back of the mind, but we don't need to be thinking about any kind of revenge. He said, all we need is keep our noses down, play to the best of our ability. And he said, all we need is the best possible version from I every get guy. You, I get that, but that's coach speed. You don't, yeah, that's coach speed. Because these kids were on that team. Yeah. I mean... They were on the team. If it was ten years, yeah, then maybe. But these kids were on the team, and they remember that. Yeah, you know, it was in Springfield's Springfield's home. Boy, it was cold. It oh, it was cold that day. <laughs> I, and I, I remember a, uh, Sam and I had a Jonathan Alder game that. It same was. Night. I was up there with Mac, and it was man. I was standing by a heater at halftime, and it was. <laughs> it wasn't even helping me. And, well, I think it would be more of a. Uh, a revenge type thing if there was a year in between or you know, the the next year and and I, I I see what you're saying but I you know when when you talk about sophomores 
becoming seniors. Mm-hmm. But the team is but somewhat you've different. you've got a group of seniors that saw some playing time as sophomores because yeah. they were talented. That's okay. True. I mean, I understand what he's saying. Yeah. You know, you get, and that's you, the right thing to say. Yeah. But I can't believe that somewhere – in their small groups, <laughs> these kids or even the coaches aren't saying, uh, I, I, would you know, with, it, I would agree with that. Uh, I would love to come back and give them one. Yeah, you know, you know, yeah, just yeah to show. that's true. I mean, I not to mention, I think Springfield last year, they took the they took the cakewalk, didn't they? Because Northmont, Northmont, Northmont beat Marysville, then coveted out of the next game. Out and Springfield, and Springfield went, on. went yeah. on. Oh, okay. Did they yeah. get to the Final Four? They've been kind of the regional power in this region the last three years. I don't know if they got to the Final Four last Two year. Years. I can't remember, but uh, yeah, that was. But you're kind of right, kind of the road to the road yeah. to the Final Four. Yeah, leads yeah. through Springfield. So yeah. uh, I I just like the fact that it's basically being played in Marysville's backyard. It was a, it was a, it was a heck of an assignment. Now I, I really wanted that Bell Fountain thing last week to be true, but I'll take uh, I'll take Darby this week. I'm surprised Springfield's not. Springfield travels terrible though. I, I saw them yeah. when Marysville when they played Marysville. Marysville had more fans in their home stadium yeah. than Springfield had two years ago. Yeah. Those Hilliard stadiums yeah. aren't massive. Yeah. They're yeah. not as big as Dublin Kaufman. No. You know, so so they picked a you know a medium size. I mean, it's it's and not the, a huge. And the parking thing. at Derby is okay, but it's not. You know, most of the cars are going to be from Marysville. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't they'll see. have to have the home bleachers because Marysville travels. Well, I, they'll get the, they'll, they'll get the home. They'll get Marysville will be home team because I believe since they're the top seed. Yeah, they'll, yeah. They'll but be there's no home. way. Even if Springfield was the number one, there's no way you can put Spring. If you got a, a lick of sense, you couldn't have put Springfield's fans in the home bleachers and Marysville's in the visiting. I mean, Spring, Springfield, after they beat Marysville two years ago, came and played the next round game at Marysville. <laughs> Marysville was the neutral site. and Because uh, I went out to cover that. It was Marysville's first hosted neutral mm, site playoff right. game. Yeah. And I, I and they were up in the home. They were, you know what? They were in the home bleachers then, and it was sparse. They they just don't, they don't travel well. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Springfield sports have yeah, a great maybe fan. Not. Fan following because yeah. I know Springfield Catholic Central, which plays in the league that Fairbanks and Triad do, they, and they were good this year. Yeah. But they didn't have much yeah. of a fan base that yeah. I thought. You know, it's it's funny. You get it's almost like to some point, the smaller the school, the better they travel. The community schools, you know, the isolated community mm-hmm. schools, are what. Well, it's kind they, of that underdog mentality, right? Well, and I think it's it's what the whole thing of, hey, <laughs> that's what's going on on Friday night. Hey, oh, yeah. close up the shops. We're all going to the game. Well, I was at, I was at Marion Harding uh, last Saturday night for a Division Six playoff game, uh, Ashland, Crestview, and Cary. And both sides were really full. Mm-hmm. And this was on the – I mean, mm-hmm. while the high state game was over, it would not have been over by the time those people would have had to have sure. left. And the, the – there was a really good crowd on both you know, sides, and that's why you know that's why Marysville still travels well. While it's a big school, it's still isolated. Right. You know, it's still a community school. Bob, you were ta- you were giving Chad and me some interesting figures that you were looking up as far now, as now the playoffs in general. Yeah, this is the th- three times in the last four years, no seed lower than eight. 
made the regional final. Uh, and the, the one time he didn't make it was last year during the COVID year, and I believe it was, I don't know what the school was, but a, a 13th or a 14th seed made it to the uh, regional final. But the one interesting fact that I, I sort of looked at, the number one seed, while 16 teams made it, that's the lowest total of number one seeds to the regional final in the last four years. How many number one seeds do we have? There would be four, 28. 28. 28. There'd be 28. So four, 16 four to 28. Seven. Yeah, okay. 16 seven to 28. And, and another interesting fact, the second seed, only 11 made it to the, to the final four, and that's the uh, second lowest in the last four years. So th what does that mean? I don't know. I, I, I said something to Chad earlier. Does does the lower number, while it's not a great lower number, it is a lower number, playing that extra game, did that – what did that mean? Did, did, it, did adding an extra game is definitely something that could have done it. Or I would say this, did COVID forfeits mess with the, the rankings themselves? Did did the impacts of so many forfeits it elevate some teams or, or shrink some teams? You know, I don't know. I don't know the, exactly how that factors. The third in, seed, teams in the third seed, thirteen made uh, thirteen teams who were third uh, number three seeds made have made it to the finals. That's the most in the last four years. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I just was was curious. The one thing I wanted to see was of the top eight seeds. This year, because of the extra game, what did that do to the totals? And in actuality, it didn't do anything. Uh, you still had nobody lower than eight making making the the, the final eight. Really? So I saw Worcester was like a fourteen, and they had won two games, and yeah. they actually hung tough. I yeah, think they only yeah. lost about seven points. They, I believe, they were the lowest seed that yeah. got to the semis. Yeah. Uh, but it, it it was interesting. Or back in two thousand eighteen. 22 number one seeds made it to the regional final. Um, and uh, it, it, it might be interesting to see if that trend continues. You know, the problem is when it was eight or way back when it was only four got in, you had to do some scheduling. You know, your non-conference, you had to you had to play somebody. Right. You know, you needed some points. Like mm -hmm. with only taking the top four, you could go undefeated and not get in. If you if you had a cupcake lead and you, and you scheduled non-conference cupcakes, so you had to do that. With this, do you do that? If if you're Marysville, do you schedule, you know, easier teams up front, or do you even try to get, you know, when you know there's probably enough computer points to get you up in that a good seat? You know, if you're hosting a home game, if you're in well, the this was eight, a be a, this was a good year to see that you know yeah. what that affected and, well, and uh, what I'm saying is if they stay with this, do you know, do does Marysville or these these Division One teams do they almost take like an Ohio State approach where most years you schedule some easy games to get your feet under you, and then before you come into you know things a little tougher because the necessity to go searching for computer points is not there anymore. You will get in. You will get a decent seed, that's, host a game. Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, you know, I don't know. And that's what. Uh, North Union coach Nick Hadro was telling me there towards the end of the season uh, when it became pretty apparent 
that they were at at worst going to make the playoffs and have a good shot at a home game. You didn't have to stress as much. Make a you, you, you could. But is you that good or bad? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, you know. I mean, if you look at what North you, Union did in the playoffs, well, maybe they needed that urgency. Maybe they needed. But that. but North Union had, had the thing where they they lost that one game, so now they had to focus week ten. Okay, we could still get the league title if we win and get some help, mm-hmm. and that's what happened. But. You know, I think Brent likes tough non-conference opponents because he wants to know right from the word go where yeah. his team stands. I, I would, if I people. think if I was a coach, I probably would lean. Do I schedule St. Edward? No, I don't do that. Or, or you know, uh, St. Ignatius? Do I? Maybe not. But let's let's get a couple tough games in there to, to you know if you start winning if you start developing a program you start doing that teams start calling you mm-hmm. i mean we talked about dublin jerome and dublin jerome's not a not a central Ohio powerhouse but they played two teams they played perrysburg and whitmer to start the year mm-hmm. you know dublin kaufman was traveling around the state pickerington i think does uh, central mm-hmm. i think they did some of that like when you start developing a program I think some of those programs like that start calling to see if, hey, do you want to mix it up early season, you know, to, to see where we're at. And, and you don't get, with the way the system is now, you're not penalized as much. Mm-hmm. If, if you happen to get a loss. Yeah, you stub your toe early in the season. You can yeah, get in you're yeah. still going to be able to get and, in the playoffs. Uh, so. I, I guess from, like, a player's perspective, like, if I was – you know, just from this knowledge and just hearing you guys talk about how the system was and how it is now, you know, with without a sense of urgency for computer points, that brings a level of comfort, and comfort is what really like destroys good teams. But I think what you what you do to kind of counteract that is you do schedule tough teams at the first part of the season, right? To kind of like say this is how I mean, this might not be what it's going to be like forever, but this is how you got to play. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if it'll if it if like players have that level of comfort in their head, like oh, we're going to make the playoffs if we just kind of coast through and do our thing. And that depends on what the coach says, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that that if the coach talks that way, then the kids are going to feel yeah. that way. Right. Yeah. Old Tangy Liberty's been doing that a lot lately too. They've been having a lot of success lately, and they've started playing mm-hmm. around the state early season. But I'll say this: it's not like. Brent goes in and just lets the schedule happen. I remember when he scheduled Finley, uh, was that last year? Last year, yeah. It was intentional. And it was intentional because he looked, Finley's in our region, and he said, we and Finley tend to have computer points that are kind of similar and where we could be right on the cusp of getting in to the playoffs. So we want to schedule someone we can beat and we'll have some points with them. And then we bump them down out of it. Like scheduling Finley a couple of last year was an intentional, targeted kind of computer point, uh, you know, uh, bullseye on their on yeah. their back. So, you know, they're thinking about that. I mean, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. You know, I think I can't even remember their name because they didn't show up. Who was it this year? Cleveland Collingwood. Collingwood. I think Brent wanted to start that season. You know, you didn't want them traveling that far maybe on a Friday night, but some teams do anyway. Yeah. I think he wanted a Saturday afternoon game. I think he wanted a sunny daytime start to this year in that big, shiny new stadium to get everybody out there and behind the team. Because then later that night he also had like a – football team alumni thing scheduled out at Benny's. 
So he was going to, it was going to kind of be a whole day kind of thing. You know, Collingwood looked like they weren't much of an opponent, but I think it was intentional. I think there was a, there was a logic behind scheduling them to start the season. Mm. You know, and then he took, well, I don't care, I can't, he had Lancaster and like pick north mm. early season, which Lancaster's a big school. They're down a little bit. But they've got a good years, football reputation. They do, and, and Pick North is, you know, Pick North is, is no cupcake. Mm-hmm. Gave Cent- Pick Central their only loss this year. So, you know, I think he started Collingwood. He started off, was looking maybe to start a little light and then get into, you know, some teams that had some weight behind him. So. Well, he definitely likes to see his team tested, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. I'd yeah. be shocked if this team, these seniors, this team, these parents – the whole football system didn't know coming through that this is the class. This was going to be a you know, special time. You can, it was like that when Blackburn came through. I coached middle school football when Chase Blackburn came through. And people were telling me about this kid that was coming. And, you know, they were telling me because he was a running back. You know, he hadn't quite gotten the height yet where he was this monster, but he was a great athlete and he was a good running back. And, you know, he was a great linebacker too, but – but they, uh, you know, he would have been in fifth, sixth grade when they they were talking about what he was doing in fifth, sixth grade, and here he comes and he's got Super Bowl rings now. So my guess is everybody probably knew this was coming, like a team like this that they might be good as juniors, but they're going to be special as seniors. And, yeah. And they have I I have not seen this town even even in Blackburn's teams the town wasn't energized like this. <laughs> Honestly, the whole region. The whole region talking about him and asking me questions and posting things on Facebook from people that live a county or two over and, you know, buying the game to watch it. Mm-hmm. Every every watering hole in town has got the game <laughs> playing on on the screens, on the TVs. People, people are renting it on iPads while sitting and eating their dinner or having a <laughs> drink on Friday night yeah. all over town. You know, it's uh, there's there's a lot of energy behind it. It sounds like there's a lot of belief too. Pretty much all we know. It's yeah. it's going to be a good game. Um, you know, there's good games all over that Division One. All right. Well, that's the show for this week. Thank you guys for all the great information, and thanks to everyone for listening. If you do enjoy what you hear, please subscribe to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast pages. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, as well as many other podcast streaming platforms. So be sure and tune into the show next week, and we'll see you on Thursday.